Well, here it comes. Oh, my goodness. Kick and chase by Mullen. Kick and chase again by Mullen. Aguero! Welcome back to the Racing and Sports Punters Pod, where we weave and wend a wondrous walkway through the beguiling bazaar of betting brilliance. Jimmy Buckley with you on this Wednesday, September the 14th, just two days out from the first of two tantalising AFL preliminary finals this weekend, which precede the Brownlow Medal Ceremony being conducted on Sunday this year, that is this Sunday, the 18th of September, so as not to clash with the funeral of Queen Elizabeth II, which will be taking place on Monday night, our time, a.k.a. the traditional time slot to conduct Brownlow medal proceedings. In any event, the medal will still be presented to the league's best and fairest, and to help me cast an eye over this year's intriguing field and to preview the two preliminary finals, I'm joined by racing and sports AFL expert and a man who has already tipped punters into multiple high-priced winners on this very podcast, the great Brad Bishop. Welcome, mate. Yeah, thanks for having me, Jones. That's an impressive set of alliteration that you rolled off <laughs> there at the start, and that sort of feels appropriate that I'm the man talking to you, given my Christian name and surname. Absolutely. I have been trying to avoid your calls, though, because I see absolutely no positive in me doing this, because last time I was on, which was a few weeks ago, so people might have forgotten, the selections that I did leave the punters with were pretty close to the mark. So you could say that I should have quit while I was ahead, but uh, <laughs> you've worn me down and we better have another crack at this. Oh, that's right. There's only one way to go. But uh, just uh, to refresh the memories out there. Now, if I'm correct, you tipped Geelong would finish as minor premiers, which was offering better than even money at the time. And I think you might have also had the Swans to finish top four, which was paying about... or $4, mate. So very well done. Yeah, I'm going to hang my hat on the Geelong one because I think they were $1.90 at the time, but this was just before they started their role where they were playing all the bottom teams in the lead-up to the finals. And I suggested it was around about, they should have probably been around about $1.40 or $1.50. And then the next week they were around about that price. So we got that one right. Now the the Sydney one was really interesting because... We did that podcast in the lead-up to the game where they played Fremantle, and I'd looked into the crystal ball and saw that their draw was also very friendly after the Fremantle game, and I did suggest that they were extreme value to make the top four, and they might have even been worth a little sneaky flag, but but what I did suggest is that punters should have waited until after the Fremantle (laughs) game because I thought they were going to get a better price. Turns out they knocked off Rio. The prices were already gone, so hopefully that was the bit that people didn't listen to and they, they maybe had a few dollars on at the time of recording. Ah, very good, Brad. This is an incredible time of year. And we have a bit of a, a bit of a shock, I think, in the first prelim final to be played Friday night at the MCG between the Geelong Cats and the Brisbane Lions, who somehow managed to turn over the Demons last week after a pretty ordinary first quarter performance, but they rode it out, they stuck it out. And they came home with a wet sail for their first win at the MCG in about 47 years. So well done to the Lions. Uh, You get the feeling, though, Brad, that they're up against a more formidable foe on Friday night. 
hundred percent. I've got a theory on finals, and it is that teams can progress one week beyond where you might have expected them to, but it's extremely unusual that they'll go two weeks beyond where you might have expected them to. And I think Brisbane fall into that category coming into this weekend's game. Now, that's changed a little bit in the years where we've had that by between the final round and the start of the finals. You tend to get a few more upsets in the finals with the formula that they've got at the moment, but I don't think it's going to be the case with this weekend's game. I think the Lions, they did a fantastic job to get over Melbourne, as you mentioned, after such a slow start. But Melbourne have had a tendency to do that all year. It was was a mirror image of what they did against the Swans the week before. They totally dominated early play. You've got a sense in the second quarter of that game against the Swans that Sydney were just starting to get back into it. And then it was complete domination in the second half. And that was pretty much exactly what we saw last Friday night. They did a fantastic job, the Lions, but I think the majority of the result of that game was Melbourne um, just making the same mistakes and lacking something that they have had for the majority of the second half of the season, and that's a cohesive forward line. They're not going to get those same sort of favours this weekend. Brisbane, probably the most formidable forward line in the entire competition is Geelong, so they can't afford to have a slow start again this week because uh, I don't think there'll be any coming back. Now Geelong $1.30 with Neds, the Brisbane Lions $3.50 and the line for that game is 22.5 points. And you're on weather watch at this stage, Brad. Yeah, absolutely I'm on weather watch because I think if it's a dry game and it's favourable footy conditions, I don't think Geelong will have any issues at all covering that 22.5. So that's probably the bet I'll try and tip anyone into if they were keen to have a wager on this game. Gamble responsibly, of course, but we'll just wait to see what does happen with the weather because... What does happen with Brisbane is they can concede a big score. They've won their fair share of games this year, obviously being given that they're playing in a preliminary final, but a lot of the games they've played in have been high-scoring affairs, and I expect that to be the case again this week. They've had a lot of trouble defending potent forward lines, and there's no more potent than Geelong. So I'm keen on the Cats to cover the line, unless it's absolutely pelting down with rain. But there's also a bet you can have with Ned, and that is, um, you can, there's a line on either team's score. So the line for the total match score is 158 and a half, but you're relying on Brisbane also kicking their fair share of points there. I, I think the safer play, if you want to get involved in something like that, is maybe taking the dollar ninety about Geelong scoring more than 90 and a half points. And given I do think that it's going to be a good game for Geelong in terms of scoring output, there's, there's also an option about them to kick 110 points or more, and that is $3.30. That's the one I'm just going to hold off on until we get to Friday afternoon and see what the weather's doing. But I'm confident that Sydney-type weather prevailing down here in Melbourne on the weekend, that the Cats can win and can win comfortably. That 110 points or more, just that looks incredible if they do get a dry deck. I mean, you mentioned that forward line. Jeremy Cameron, who is arguably the most influential player in the competition. Tom Hawkins, who is still more than capable of kicking a bag of goals in a game or at the very least steering a couple of defenders out of the way to let the likes of, say, a Brad Close or a Tyson Stengel or even a Gary Rowan who's hit form at the right time now to come through and crumb a few cheeky goals as well. I mean, you don't know where to look when they're on fire, the Cats, and they are very capable of just running up that scoreboard. Now, you've uh, you've also got a same-game multi, Brad. 
Yeah, just cobbled together a little bit. I'm glad you mentioned Jeremy Cameron because uh, he's the man that I've got involved there from a goal-kicking point of view. I got him to kick three-plus. I just reckon he's primed for a big final series. They looked after him towards the end of the season. The extra week off for him will be really beneficial given he was dealing with that hamstring injury the final couple of rounds of the home and away season. So I've got him to kick three-plus goals. Zach Tui is a um, automatic selection pretty much in my same game, Malfis. He always racks up getting touches. I've got him to get 20-plus disposals, and I've included that at Geelong to kick at least 91 points uh, as well. And that all adds up to $4.57. So I think if things go, uh, do go the way that I expect and Geelong are going to get over the line and do so comfortably, I, I'm, I'm pretty confident we'll get those three options covered. So there's one that's uh, a little bit better than $4.50, which will give you something to follow on Friday night. Terrific value. Brad, Saturday afternoon, the Twilight Game at the SCG, the Sydney Swans and the Collingwood Magpies. Uh, now we have, in this game with Neds, the Swans are $1.42 favourites, Collingwood $2.90, and the line there is 17 and a half. What do you make of this one, Brad? I've got absolutely no idea. I'm happy to put my hand up on this one. I'm glad we did the Captain and the Lions first because I've got a strong opinion on that game. But this one, I have no, I have, I really have no idea because the thing about this game is like Collingwood have really convinced me. Collingwood were quite ordinary against Sydney up there not that long ago, but that is an aberration on what we've seen from Collingwood pretty much in the, the back three quarters of this season. They've been absolutely fantastic. They took a long time to convince people because what they did do, even though they were at, they had a massive winning streak, they were horribly unconvincing against some ordinary sides. They were 26 points down against North Melbourne at three-quarter time. They escaped from that game with a win. It was a similar story against Essendon. It was only an after the siren kick that got them over the line in that game. So I, I think that was what had people questioning whether they were actually the real deal, but I don't think there's any question at all, not only off the back of how decisive they were against Fremantle last week, they pay no attention to the fact that they only won that game by 20 points. It was, it, it was more like a game that the margin should have been 40 or 50 points. They were completely dominant. It was the week before against Geelong where they were very good at the start. They were in it right till the end, and it was only late in the game where they end up losing by a goal that resulted in them playing another game next week. I don't think that's the end of the world for them. Continuity is a thing that's been important in this final series since they did introduce that by between the final round and the start of the final series. So that's good for Collingwood that they're playing. It's not like there's been any drop-off at all from their point of view. So they go up there rightfully confident that they can turn things around from that game against the Swans a few weeks back. But Having seen what Sydney did to Melbourne only a couple of weeks ago, it's virtually impossible to tip against them up there in Sydney. So I don't think the betting actually reflects how close this game is. The Swans are at $1.42, and I think Collingwood are around about $2.80. So it'll it, be easy to mount a case for Collingwood, but as we touched on earlier, Sydney have been very good to me this year, uh, Jimmy. So I, I can't really tip against them on their home deck off such an impressive final against Melbourne. So this is the one that I'm not going to play too heavily in. If you ask me for a tip, it would be Swans 139, which is around about the $2.10 mark, and that's what I'm going to include in the same game multi. But there's nowhere near as much confidence around this game as what there is in the other one this weekend. 
It will be uh, high pressure. You can guarantee that both sides really brought the heat, especially in week one. The Pies could have easily beaten the Cats, I thought, in that qualifying final. And I agree with you. I mean, I'll put my hand up and say it took me a long time to respect the Magpies this year, but after that Cats game, they are the real deal. If they can maintain that heat for four quarters, I know it's very, very difficult to run that hard over the course of an entire game. And that is similar to the way that the Swans play, especially at the SCG. I get the feeling this one might be a real arm wrestle and a, a quite a low-scoring contest. But we shall see. Uh, your same gamer for this one, Brad. Yeah, as I mentioned, Swans 1-39. That's around about $2.10 mark. Will Haywood, anytime goal scorer, he was fantastic against Melbourne two weeks ago. He kicked a couple of goals. He's very active in the forward line. So he, you're going to get a run for your money, including him. He's only around about a dollar twenty-six, but as a four-to-one-on option, I think he's worthwhile chucking in. And, and Callum Mills was fantastic when Sydney did beat Collingwood up there, so I've got him in for twenty-five plus. He was up around the thirty disposals last time round. He was also good against Melbourne, so he's in form. I think that's a good play. He's an he's an awesome player to have on your side because he does a good job on the opposition key playmakers, but he also gets the ball himself, a lot like Berry did last week for Brisbane. So, Mills 25 plus, Haywood anytime goal scorer in Sydney 1-39, that comes out at $4.06 with Ned. Absolutely brilliant, and another great price. You're right about Mills, and he plays the SCG as, as well as any of them, much like your Luke Parkers of this world. They, they just know exactly what they need to do at that ground. Now, if we can move on to the Brownlow medal, which... I'm not going to lie, it has me a little bit excited. This is uh, probably the most open Brownlow medal I can remember in terms of, of genuine chances. The market with Neds at the moment, Lockie Neal, $3.25. Clayton Oliver, $3.75. And then you've got Patrick Cripps and Andrew Brayshaw on the third line as equal $6 favourites with Christian Petrarca, $7.50. And then Tuke Miller, the Gold Coast boy, at $8.00. How do you approach this one, Brad? Yeah, with a, not a great degree of confidence. Um, it, it's a really interesting Brownlow because these guys that are towards the head of the market, in a way, some they've had contrasting seasons. Cripps is right up there because he was just totally dominant in the first oh, six to eight rounds of the season. Like he might have 16 or 18 votes after round seven or round eight. So that's a pretty good platform when you're trying to win a Brownlow. And he, he did play a few good games towards the end of the season. Lucky Neal. Slowish at the start, we had a really good middle part of the season, was consistent late, and then Oliver and Brayshaw, they've been ultra-consistent right throughout the entire home and away season, and now Oliver playing in that Melbourne team, it's going to be interesting to see how he does poll, because a lot of those games, they won a lot of games early on, then they were quite ordinary from the second half of the season onwards in terms of win-loss ratio, but what happened in a lot of those games was Melbourne lost them after leading by four or five goals where Clayton Oliver played good games as well. So I think he's going to be a guy that gets some votes in losing sides. And with Brayshaw, I'm just interested around... A lot of the times players have to develop a bit of a profile before the umpires get to know them. It's, it sounds silly, but you you can sometimes say, oh, like I go back to the, the likes of Simon Black and Ben Cousins. These were guys who had a breakout season, probably didn't poll as well in the Brownlow as what might, people might have expected in those seasons where they first came on the radar, but then they won it a season or two later. And I wouldn't be shocked if Brayshaw was in a similar boat. Now, he did poll 10 or 11 votes last year, but this has been his coming of age. Three, I've won a lot of games, which is going to be 
heavily in his favour. But I, I just wouldn't be shocked if he doesn't poll quite as well as what we expect. Not saying he can't win it because he has been a model of consistency. And what he does do that the umpires will respect greatly is his defensive work. I, I, I actually watched quite a bit of Fremantle and his chasing, tackling, defensive work is stuff that is ultra impressive. And that, that is the stuff that umpires can really gravitate towards. So it wouldn't shock me if any of those top four won it. If you tried to nail me down, I'd go with Oliver just because he came into the season with a profile that he's going to get a lot of three-vote games. And as I mentioned, he's going to get a lot of those ga- a lot of votes in the losing side, I think, which which I'm not sure the likes of Neil and Chris are going to do. It's going to be all duck or no dinner for them, I think. They're going to poll a lot of threes, but it's just a matter of whether they can get those ones or twos that might get them over the line. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that. Quite often those ones and twos, uh, I mean, they do really add up. And one thing about Brayshaw you mentioned there too is, is he played well for an entire season in a team that won a lot of games. So you've, you've just got to think that, that he's going to feature fairly heavily. We know Cripps missed a, a handful of games at times across the course of the season and he had some uh, reasonably talented teammates helping him out. And I think that's certainly another factor that needs to be considered when you look at some of these Brownlow medal contenders is the likes of who they're, they're running out alongside and who's potentially cannibalising votes off them, I would have thought. But just on Clayton Oliver, uh, you've found a market here, Brad, that I think you're quite keen on. Absolutely. There's there's no shortage of exotic markets in the Brownlow. You don't have to just get in who's going to win it or who's going to finish top three, top five, top ten. There's a market that Neds have got up about the player who will poll in the most games. And I've pretty much explained why I like Oliver already. I think there's going to be a lot of games where his team loses, where he gets votes, whether it might even be three. But at worst, there's going to be games where Melbourne lost convincingly, but I think he's going to get some sort of recognition from the umpires. Whereas your likes of Neil Cripps, they're going to get a lot of threes, but there'll be games where they lose where I don't think they'll figure. So I think he's a great bet at a dollar fifty-five be the player who polls in more games than any others. But I also think, as a little saver, Andrew Brayshaw, $15, I'm quite surprised that he's stuck a big price in that market, given the consistency that he has had throughout the season. So he's one that uh, wouldn't shock me if he's prominent in a number of games. So to play to play that way, just in that play to poll in the most games, heavier bet on Clayton Oliver and just a little saver on Brayshaw at 15 bucks. Just a couple quickly from me, Brad, before we get into your team votes, but uh, I quite liked the boxed trifectas, and I've taken two of these. Uh, Lockie Neal, Clayton Oliver, and Patrick Cripps is $5.50 in a box trifecta, and then Lockie Neal, Clayton Oliver, and Brayshaw. That one pays $8. I'm fairly confident the top three is going to come from those four players, and at those prices, I think it's probably worth something. Now, now you've gone through each team and had a look uh, at these markets. Now, this is, of course, where you can bet on which player from any given club polls the most Brownlow votes. And you've found a couple here too, by the looks of it, Brad. There are four that I don't mind. We'll do it in alphabetical order. Adelaide, to start with. Now, this one is minus Rory Laird. Now, that, that's significant. And this is why I really like Ben Keyes in this one, because Keith and Laird just knocked up getting touches. Now, Adelaide didn't win as many games as they, they would have liked, but with Laird out of the equation, Keith at a $1.60 seems a good bet to me. Taylor Walker's considered his biggest threat, even in the game where Adelaide played well and, and 
Walker plays well in a winning side. It's very hard for full forwards to get the votes off the ump. So I, I think he's just one who's been under their nose all all throughout the season at a dollar sixty. I'm confident he'll be topping the Adelaide leaderboard with Collingwood. Jack Chris two dollars forty. I think he's worth a bet there. Just I, I wanted to pluck out a couple that were better than even money, and I think he's a good play for Collingwood. He was their leading vote getter last year. Now his numbers this year aren't quite as dominant as what they were last year, but Another thing in his favour is that Collingwood won more games. So they finished second last last year, and he did a fantastic job to get 11 votes. He's a player that stands out. He's got Nick, uh, jo- uh, yeah, Nick Daycock as second favourite at $3. We've already spoken about players needing to establish themselves in the eyes of the umpires. Now, he had an unbelievable season for a first-year player. He'll get his fair share of votes. But I'm just not sure whether he's going to get enough to topple Chris. And Jordan McGowie's next best. He's at $3.50. And he had a bit of an up-and-down season. So I think Chris is the way to go there for Collingwood. With Fremantle, now this one is mine at Brayshaw. Will Brody is a totally dominant favourite here at $1.22. But I think there's too much between him and Caleb Sarong. The last two weeks have been a great example of the way those two guys go about this football. Now, I must stress, I am aware Caleb Sarong's not getting any votes from the last two weeks and the finals that his game um, played and played so well for Fremantle. But like I say, they were a good reminder of the way they go about their business. And Sarong's more of a vote-getter than what Brody is, I think. So he's $5.50. I think he can topple Will Brody at $1.22. I wouldn't suggest you go too hard, but that's one where you can get involved at a bigger price where I think you're going to have something to cheer throughout the night. And just with Richmond, Shea Bolton, he's $2.80. Down Presley is the favourite of $1.53. Presley's had a fantastic season, but he hasn't necessarily been a prolific vote-getter. The last two years aren't really good guys because he had injury-interrupted seasons, but he played every game. Uh, he played most of the games in 2019, and his numbers were even a little bit better than this year, and he only got the eight votes, whereas Shea Bolton, um, it, it's hard as a, a half-forward, and a guy who spends a lot of time in the forward line to... Uh, catch the eye of the umpires, but if there is ever a player to do that, it's Bolton. He does spend a bit of time in the midfield. He's explosive. He catches the eye. At $2.80, I reckon he's worth a play there in that Richmond option. And he's $101 to win the award. And in the Neds market, Presley is not even in it. So that is pretty good indication that um, Bolton's considered some sort of hope to attract the eye of the umpires. So that's just a look at four of the, the team votes options, which are so popular around Brownlow time. It's a good point you make there. Prestia actually missed a, a fair chunk during the middle of this season. And he's the kind of player that you look at the stats afterwards and he's got 30 disposals and six or seven clearances. But sometimes you just don't notice what he's doing. Whereas, yeah, Shea Bolton, he's like a little dragonfly, you know, zipping around the field usually crops up with a couple of goals and did have a couple of pretty high-possession games, especially first half of the year. So I suspect Bolton will build a pretty significant lead and it'll be up to Presti to try and take him down towards the back end of the season. And at $2.80, that's a fantastic bet. I think I may have found one. It certainly caught my eye and it's the West Coast team market. And I'm going to throw in Tim Kelly at $5. Now, his biggest opponent, I suppose, in this one, and the favourite is Josh Kennedy, the full forward. And you can see why. But this caught my eye. West Coast, as we know, only won two games this season, and it's not too often that a player will poll three votes in a losing side. But 
There's a couple of games that Tim Kelly, I think, played pretty well in and could potentially rack up a few. And you're probably only really going to need maybe five votes to win this market, I would have thought. Now, in round 16 against the Tigers, Tim Kelly played one of the games of the season, I would have thought. He had 40 touches, he had two goals, he had nine clearances, and to be fair, Richmond could not lay a glove on him. And the Eagles were really, really struggling at this point of the season. The Tigers had found their mojo and they were playing pretty well. And to be honest with you, Richmond would have won that game by about probably 10 or 12 goals if, if it wasn't for Kelly. Now, Daniel Rioli had an absolute blinder for the Tigers in that. I think he racked up 28 touches and a goal off the half back, And he got the max coaches votes. But it would not surprise me if Kelly polled three votes in that game of football. Now, there was a couple of other games that I thought he did quite well in. Round 11 against the Dogs, the West Coast Eagles lost that game, but Tim Kelly was huge again, 38 touches and and a goal. Uh, Now, English for the Dogs got the coaches' votes in that game. He was phenomenal in the ruck. But I can see Kelly getting, at the very least, two votes, and again, maybe three. He's the kind of bloke that the umpires notice. There's a couple of other big games he had over the course of the season. Now, Josh Kennedy, you've got to think he's going to get three votes for his, I think it was the second last round against Adelaide, he kicked eight goals. You can bank three there. He might pick up one or two over the course of the rest of the season. I just think at $5, Tim Kelly might be a little bit of a play there, Brad. Yeah, that can often be the best way to play those team markets. And if you want to hone in on... Um, just look at the teams down the bottom of the ladder because you're not going to get too many votes in the losing sides. And what happened with North and West Coast this year is they got flogged quite often. So there's so many games that you do not even need to look at the matches because they're not even going to be a consideration of the umpires. They just concentrate on the games where they won or where they had players who were standouts for their side in games where they got close to winning. So it's it's a pretty smart play, and I like the way you've uh, you've worked it out there with Tim Kelly. I'm actually going to have a closer look at West Coast and North Melbourne now, off the back of what we've just discussed there. So we might even be able to come up with a couple more, which I might tweet out before Brownlow night. Now, to recap, because there's a fair bit to get through there. Now, Brad's lean is towards Clayton Oliver at $3.75 with Neds, but it's going to be very tight. I didn't mind the idea of, of boxing up Lockie Neal, Clayton Oliver and Patrick Cripps at $5.50 with Neds, a box trifecta, and then take a second box trifecta, Lockie Neal, Clayton Oliver and Andrew Brayshaw. That one pays $8. Brad's found a a sneaky little market with Neds, which is player to poll in most games. And again, he likes Clayton Oliver there at $1.55. But don't be afraid to have a little something on Brayshaw. He's paying $15 in that market. Team votes. Adelaide minus Laird, Ben Keyes paying $1.60. Collingwood, Jack Crisp at $2.40. Fremantle, Caleb Sarong, $5.50. Brad, very confident, well, at least partially confident that he can topple Brody. He's definitely the value there with Brody at $1.22. And Shea Bolton, $2.80. The second favourite with the Richmond Tigers, Presti is $1.53. We both think that Bolton can poll incredibly well this season. So that's worth something. I don't mind the look of Tim Kelly at $5 to poll the most votes for West Coast. And back to the two prelim finals, Friday night. We're on weather watch for the Cats, but we're still pretty confident that they can get the job done against the Lions. 
minus 22.5 is the line. That's a pretty good starting point. If they do get a, a dry deck or a dry-ish deck, get on them to win by 40-plus and don't be afraid to take some of the $3.30 about them to score 110 points or more. Brad, same game multi for that game. Geelong over 90.5 team points. Jeremy Cameron to kick three or more goals. Zach Tui, 20-plus disposals. That pays a very healthy $4.57 with Neds. To the SCG Saturday afternoon, the Swans at a dollar forty-two. That's the tip. Although we're not entirely sure what's going to happen in this one, it's going to be tight, potentially low scoring. It's going to be an arm wrestle. The same game multi there from Brad Sydney one to thirty-nine. Will Haywood anytime goal scorer, and Callum Mills twenty-five plus disposals. That rolls into a very nice looking four dollars and six cents. Brad, what are you most looking forward to over the course of this weekend? Uh, from a footy point of view, the Sydney-Collingwood uh, game, it was the one that I struggled from a, a punting point of view to get excited about. But as a footy fan, it's far and away the mo- most interesting game. And I do hope Geelong get through for the sake of the grand final because I don't think it matters who they play out of Sydney or Collingwood. It's going to be a good game. So what I'm rooting for is Geelong to win Friday night and then... Whoever gets through out of that Saturday afternoon game, they're going to put up a good fight on in the grand final the following week. So uh, plenty to get excited about, not just from a punting point of view, but just from a footy fan's point of view. And it's good to have a Brownlow that is nice and even. We had one last year with um, uh, the Bont and Ollie Wines um, right towards the, the head of the market. That was a, a great Brownlow in terms of not knowing what was going to happen going into it, and we've got another one this year. So uh, plenty of interest, and I'm sure there's going to be reason to stay up nice and late on Sunday evening. Absolutely there is. Mate, thank you very much for joining us again. It's been a pleasure. We will be joined by Ken Rutherford on Friday morning to run through everything that's happening with the round ball game over in the UK, and until then, happy punting.